Hard Work, Goodwill, A Journey of Peace, Perseverance, and Redemption by Jerry Lundergan. My name is Michael Santos with Resilient Digital Publishing. I will be reading this book from cover to cover. Please visit hardworkgoodwill.com for your free copy. Here's chapter three. Values, defining success. Asking myself the series of questions listed in the previous chapter helped me to get back up and get going when things looked bleak for my family and me. The setback of bankruptcy wouldn't be easy to overcome. Although I eventually made things right with my creditors, in the beginning I had to think about what I learned from the experience. I had to consider what I could have done differently. I had to think about what I wanted to achieve in the future. I couldn't undo the fact that I made decisions that led me to bankruptcy, but I needed to make a choice. Would it be better to let the bankruptcy define who I was as a man? Or would it be better for me to let my response to the bankruptcy define who I was as a man? We all face challenges in life. If we ask the right questions and we ponder those questions, we are going to find solutions. The right questions help us make better decisions. So what's an example of the questions that we should ask? How about, what's important to us? What are we trying to accomplish? What do we want success to look like in our life? There aren't any right answers to those questions, and there aren't any wrong answers either. Asking questions helps us to clarify, to define success, and the questions we ask help us identify the values by which we profess to live. Despite making poor business decisions as a young man, when I assumed my father's responsibilities, I still intended to follow the principles he taught me. Number one, live as an honest person. Number two, live as a loyal person. And number three, live with a good work ethic. Some people would judge me for filing bankruptcy. In fact, despite the life I built in response to bankruptcy, 50 years later, my political rivals used that bankruptcy filing to smear my name. That's part of the game, and we can move on. We all face challenges and disappointments, but if we build internal fortitude, we'll be able to keep moving forward towards success as we define success. When we make values-based decisions, we become insulated against the negativity of others. Much like a vaccination works to prevent disease, we can strengthen our mindset by living in the world as it exists, not as we want it to be. Our past bad decisions don't define us. The actions we take during tough times help us build character. Those actions let the world know that we dare to move on, and through our efforts, we build confidence. As human beings, any of us can trip from time to time. We can fall down or get lost. But like the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, we can always find our way back. Once we resume our pathway to success, we should expect that others may throw some stones. It's just part of life. So what values define who you are? In what ways do your actions show that you are living by those values? For those not accustomed to thinking about values defining our life, maybe the analogy of a blueprint will help. A person that owns a piece of land may want to build a structure on the property. He may want to build an apartment building, a grocery store, or a warehouse. Before a property owner can communicate with a builder, he needs to answer the question of what exactly he wants to develop. Then, he needs to create a blueprint that the builder can follow. 
If the builder has a design, he can put together the structure that the owner wants. Blueprints help the builder deliver the project successfully. Similarly, if we know what kind of person we want to become, we can create a blueprint that will help us succeed. Like a contractor may need to clear out old debris before he can develop the structure he wants, we may have to take some steps to move past our current circumstance and situation to advance to the next level. We have to do things in order. A builder cannot install the windows before he has poured the foundation. Likewise, a person may need to make progress towards some small achievements to open opportunities for new results. As a young man that had just filed bankruptcy, without a college education, I had to clear out some debris from my past before I could take the next step in my career. I needed to start building trust. I needed a step-by-step approach. We can take that methodical approach in many areas of our life. I remember the step-by-step approach I took in persuading Charlotte to marry me, way back in 1971. Although both of us grew up in Mayesville, I didn't meet Charlotte until she appeared at the doorstop of my mother's house. To raise money for Mayesville High School charity in 1967, Charlotte volunteered her time selling subscriptions to magazines. I wasn't in the market for magazines, but from the moment I opened the door, I knew I was looking at the prettiest girl I'd ever seen. I purchased the most expensive subscription on the list, which just happened to be Amusement Business Magazine. And we continued that subscription until production discontinued in 2017. Winning a woman's love is similar to winning a business deal. It would have been foolish to start the relationship by telling Charlotte that I could see us building a family together. I had to nurture the relationship with little steps. First, I showed interest in what she was doing. I looked at her catalog. I asked about the charity she was supporting. I placed my order for a subscription. Through all the back and forth, we developed a friendly rapport. And that rapport led to a few dates. And those dates led to a romance. And on January 16th, 1971, she made me the happiest man on earth by becoming my wife. Little steps. They lead us to more significant accomplishments. We can use this strategy in our personal lives, but also in building our careers. If a person has a history of bankruptcy, the best next step may not be a visit to the bank with a request for a loan. Just a thought. And similarly, if a person is unemployed and doesn't have a college degree, it may not be the best step to search for a job in a senior leadership position for a Fortune 500 company. That time may or may not come. What we have to realize is that if we want to create new opportunities, we have got to start by taking little steps that will lead us to bigger opportunities. That's the way it is in business. Several of the Lundergan companies I own contract with utility companies, government agencies, or global corporations. Orders we receive today may be valued in the millions of dollars, but it would have been foolish to think that we could start that way. We had to take millions of little steps on our pathway from my bankruptcy to building the companies we own today. For the most part, each of those small steps aligned with the values by which I profess to live. And what are those values? Well, let me repeat. You'll be hearing it throughout the course of this book. 
Number one, we've got to live honestly. Number two, we've got to be loyal. And number three, we've got to live with a good work ethic. It wasn't only my parents that instilled those values in me. When I was 12, I began washing dishes at Caproni's Restaurant on the river, the most upscale restaurant in town, a restaurant that I now own. I also worked as a teenager at Clyde's Supervalue, a grocery store across the Ohio River. The owner, Clyde Barber, let me earn a few dollars sorting pop bottles. Since I showed up on time and did my work to the best of my ability, he moved me around from one department to another. I advanced to sweeping floors. Later, I began stocking shelves. I worked in the produce section. Then, I worked in the deli. Gradually increasing levels of responsibility culminated with a job as a cashier. Now, I didn't start in that role of a cashier. Over time, I built trust with the owner and with his customers and with handling the store's money. Besides that, the owner became a business mentor to me once I got back on my feet. That's how we advance. We just take little steps, one step and then the next step. Now, both Charlotte and I aspired to be homeowners, and there were some challenges because I had filed bankruptcy. So we started searching for property, but while engaged, we met Ken Ramsey. Today, Ken is well known as perhaps one of the most successful thoroughbred breeders in the world. Back then, he was an enterprising young realtor in Lexington. Although I didn't have much in the way of credit, after the bankruptcy, I worked hard and others in the community started to vouch for my reputation. Ken looked beyond my past difficulties. He saw promise in my future and he agreed to sell us our first piece of real estate, a small, single-family home on Liberty Road. We signed the purchase agreement in December of 1970 and Ken provided the financing with a land contract. As long as we made our monthly payments of $98, once Charlotte and I paid off the $16,900 purchase price, he would transfer the property into our name. The lesson here, as I look back, is that in life, we need to take a series of little steps. Each step should lead us away from the challenges we face and toward the successful outcome we are striving to reach. By first taking time to identify values, then visualizing and articulating the goal, we can engineer our step-by-step -step path to success as we define it. It's always crucial that we identify our strengths and weaknesses at any given stage in life and at every given stage in life. We've got to see the opportunities and we've also got to see the threats. As I look back, I knew that I had a strong work ethic and a commitment to live honestly. But I also understood that others might construe my initial failure in business or my lack of a university degree as a weakness. Hard work led to relationships with community leaders and those relationships helped me springboard into a new career. Those relationships helped Mr. Ramsey see me as a good credit risk which led to my becoming a property owner despite the earlier bankruptcy. We can always take steps to position ourselves for the next adventure in life. Those steps should always align with what we aspire to become, with success as we define success, not anyone else. Knowing the right direction at the right time 
is what makes all the difference. More than a hundred years ago, Lewis Carroll dispensed such wisdom in the children's book, Alice in Wonderland. When trying to find her way, Alice asked the Cheshire cat which road to take. The cat's response reflects a truism in life. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Well, when a person doesn't know what steps to take, it is easy to lose direction, or we can fail to get going at all. Although many of us can get bogged down with day-to-day life, if we don't start taking those incremental steps to succeed, we get stuck. As we all know, life can change at any given time. All may be going well one day, but then disaster can strike. To recover, we have got to identify the right direction. We have got to start taking steps that will lead us to where we want to go. To the extent that we use deliberate intention, we restore our confidence and our strength, making us more capable of providing value to the world. A deliberate path keeps the relationship between the decisions we are making today in a clear focus with the future success we are striving to achieve. After filing bankruptcy, I had some time on my hands, and that leads me into the world of politics. From my perspective, it made more sense to think and to plan rather than to rush into the next big venture. Since our parents instilled in us the importance of community service, I spent time volunteering at the Democratic headquarters. By stuffing envelopes for candidates, I got to know some local political leaders. I went to work in the state auditor's office for Mary Louise Faust, and during my time there, I met Helen Breckenridge. She was married to John Breckenridge, the Attorney General of Kentucky. Helen introduced me to her husband when he decided to run for Congress. Mr. Breckenridge wanted to represent Kentucky's 6th Congressional District. Campaign responsibilities required him to get out into the community so that he could build relationships with voters. My work ethic with the Democratic Party caught his attention. He offered me a job as his personal driver, and I learned a great deal by being around him. While driving Mr. Breckenridge from one event to another, I had many opportunities to listen and learn. Now, the job didn't pay much, but Charlotte and I were just getting started, and we didn't need much. We appreciated the -the on-the-job kind of experience I gained by being in such close proximity to a major campaign for a national office. When the voters elected Mr. Breckenridge to Congress, he invited us to travel with him to Washington, D.C., Charlotte and I packed our belongings. Our time in the nation's capital fueled a love of both politics and community service. It would be the only time we have lived outside the Commonwealth that we've always called home. I may not have had a college degree, and I may have had a difficult start in business, but clearly those challenges didn't put an end to opportunities. In 1973, I was a 26-year-old congressional aide. I had a variety of duties with a primary responsibility of serving as a bridge between Congressman Breckinridge and the voters back home. Since I had traveled by his side throughout his campaign, I developed a good sense of how to serve him best. Charlotte and I remained in Washington until God blessed us with our first pregnancy. Starting our family thrilled us both, but by then, Charlotte had had enough of living in D.C., With the congressman's blessing, my wife and I returned to Lexington, 
where I continued to serve him in the local office. And this led me into the world of business. I'd recalibrated from the bankruptcy and built trust. I was in a different position with more experience and perhaps more credibility. Working as a congressional aide may not have paid much, but it gave me a wealth of knowledge. I learned that by understanding the problems of others, we could create opportunities that would lead to solutions. I set my sights on opening a business and I spotted an opportunity with the French Bauer Ice Cream Company out of Cincinnati. In the mid-1970s, French Bauer was one of the premier brands of ice cream. In Lexington, there was one French Bauer ice cream truck and he serviced the entire city. The driver was an owner-operator with the exclusive license to distribute French Bauer ice cream to local supermarkets. By pure coincidence, I learned that the owner had grown tired of the ice cream business. He just wanted out. The delivery truck had been giving him problems, and I think he was just a little bit tired. Rather than working on truck repairs, he said he was giving serious thought to walking away and retiring. He didn't want to deliver ice cream anymore. But one man's problem is another man's opportunity, and I sprung into action. Within hours of hearing this story, I got in my car and drove to the main office of French Bauer Ice Cream in Cincinnati. Now, by being friendly toward the receptionist, she allowed me to get through to speak with the owner. I told him my name and that I had driven from Lexington to see him personally because I wanted to help him solve a problem. He asked what issue I could resolve. I told him that I thought there was a good chance that he'd be losing his driver in Lexington. And if he did, ice cream distributions for his company would suffer in Lexington. The owner looked at me as if I were a fortune teller or a prophet. He told me that he had just received the call a few hours ago. His distributor announced his resignation effective immediately. He asked me what I knew about ice cream, and I gave him the right answer. I told him that I knew everything there was to know about ice cream and that French Bauer ice cream was the best that I'd ever tasted. Well, seemed to be the right answer. The next step, he told me, would be to get the financing I would need to get off the ground. Now, fortunately, I had a resource that I could leverage. I had learned another lesson that my dad had stuck with me. Just a few days after my dad's funeral, a representative from the Western and Southern Life Insurance Company knocked on my mother's door. The representative gave my mom a check for an insurance policy my dad had purchased. And that integrity of Western and Southern Life Insurance made a favorable impression on me. As I could scrape together enough money, I purchased my own insurance policy. And that policy had value. When the French Bauer distributorship became available, Charlotte and I took my life insurance policy to the Bank of Lexington. We offered the policy as collateral for a $3,000 loan we could use to purchase the business. I am very grateful to the Bank of Lexington for believing in me, and to this day, our family holds several accounts at the Bank of Lexington as a sign of my appreciation. That's what I mean by being loyal. Helen Keller told us that the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. If we have vision, we can always open our eyes and see a pathway to success. The owner of the French Bauer Ice Cream Company gave me an exclusive agreement to distribute French Bauer ice cream in the Lexington market. 
Together with my brothers, Mike and Tom, we went to work. With our capital from the bank loan, we fixed up that old truck and started to build our route. Mike and Tom would make deliveries. I spent my time cold walking into into grocery stores with hopes of opening new accounts. Now, opening a new account wasn't easy, but as many leaders have taught, nothing worth accomplishing is ever easy. Grocers have limited space, and they already have that space allocated. I'd walk in unannounced, trying to speak with a decision maker. When I told him why I thought he should offer his customers French Bauer ice cream, he said that he didn't have space. I'd give him a pint of our best ice cream and recommend that he take it home to enjoy with his family. The ice cream's rich flavor, I was sure, would win him over. I may have had to return four, five, six, seven times, but eventually I felt confident that he would get the message. By carrying French Bauer ice cream, his customers would be happier and his business would prosper. And that strategy worked well for our expansion because we sure grew. After a few years of hard work and unwavering attention to detail, we finally reached our goal. We had an actual family business. Charlotte handled the bookkeeping while keeping a close eye on our young daughter, Alyssa. Sometimes I'd come in and see our young daughter sleeping under Charlotte's desk. We grew from a single truck to six trucks, expanding our routes to East Kentucky and the bigger market of Louisville. For five years, our little ice cream delivery business did quite well. Some people would say we were lucky, but I have always lived by the motto that the harder we work, the luckier we get. Things could have gone very differently for me. Had I not started to volunteer for the Democratic Party, I would not have met Mr. Breckenridge. Had I not met Mr. Breckenridge, I would not have gotten a job as a driver. Had I not gotten a job as a driver, I would not have gotten experience at campaigning. Had I not gotten experience at campaigning, I would not have gotten a job as a congressional aide. And had I not gotten a job as a congressional aide, I may not have persuaded the leader of French Bauer ice cream to see past my previous bankruptcy. Same goes for Ken Ramsey, who sold me a house. You see, the lesson I'm trying to convey is that it's never too early and it's never too late to start sowing seeds for our success. That little business of distributing ice cream put us all on a stable pathway to prosperity. But then, unexpectedly, French Bauer sold out to a larger conglomerate. And just like that, we were out of business. A new challenge was at our feet. But as we have learned so many times previously, with every problem comes another opportunity. The British statesman Winston Churchill had something to say about opportunity. The pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, Churchill told us. But the optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. By making values-based decisions, I am convinced that we all can grow through challenges, and that is exactly what we did. You've just listened to Chapter 3 of Hard Work, Goodwill by Jerry Lundergan. Get your free copy by visiting hardworkgoodwill.com. In Chapter 4, we'll learn how Jerry defined goals and the incremental steps that he took to succeed. Apply those principles to reach a higher potential in your life. Stay tuned for Chapter 4.